Good morning, this is Sister Lisa coming to you from the Ill, the Edwin Elder Library, and today we're going to be reading Chapter 7 for Meeting God in Holy Places by Ethelgard Smith. Chapter 7, We Are Being Renewed Day by Day, 2 Corinthians 4.16. David's Wadi, W-A-D-I, Wadi, Renewal. It was yet another surprise in this land of constant surprises. Certainly, I never would have expected to find anything like it near the Dead Sea. But the sign along the road leading south to Masada indicated that a right turn would take us to the N-E-N, Giddy, G-E-D-I, Reserve. A game reserved. Here, I remember thinking, an information board beside the entry booth promised a wide variety of flora and fauna. Apparently, the Engade has always been known for its unique beauty. Only when I read the park brochure was I reminded that in his Song of Songs, Solomon had likened his beloved to a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Enkidi. Sadly, the fragrance of henna, said to be like roses, never presented itself. Among the animals listed as being featured in the reserve were the long-horned ibex, I-B-E-X, a deer-like species of mountain goat, and the huggable little rock hydrax, H-Y-R-A-X, the biblical rabbit. The trail ahead was supposed to lead to several waterfalls along what was known as David's Wadi, W-A-D-I, or stream. As advertised, the path winding up the rapidly rising cliffs followed alongside a narrow stream with crystal clear water in it, and there were various pools and waterfalls along the way. The higher we climbed, the closer we got to a particularly beautiful waterfall, which cascaded down some 700 feet from a point where the stream was fed by four springs. When we finally reached the foot of the falls and looked up, we could see an unusual draping of mossy grass along the top of the falls, like long tresses hanging down a woman's back. Apparently, someone else had the same idea for the sign at the base of the fall reads, S-H-U-L-A-M-I-T Falls, Shulamit Falls, perhaps a reference to Abishag, A-B-I-S-H-A-G, the beautiful young Shulamit or Shulamite girl who was summoned to lie next to King David when he was old and unable to keep warm. Some believe she is the same Shulamite of whom Solomon wrote in his Song of Songs. Others link the fall's name to a star, which name itself probably takes us back to the biblical text. Naming this beautiful waterfall after the beautiful Abishag would certainly have been appropriate, just as she was a comfort to David in his old age. These very falls may well have been a source of great solace to David in his younger years. We know that while hiding out from the angry King Saul, David lived in the strongholds of Engedi. We also know that Saul was told, David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. That pretty much pinpoints the spot where I was standing as I was being right there in the center of David's stronghold. In fact, I could look up on every side and see caves like those in which David and his men must have hidden. It was in just such a cave. Remember that David cut off the corner of Saul's robe instead of killing him. So it isn't much of a stretch to think that David might have found the Shunammite Falls to be a source of refreshment and comfort while he was being hotly pursued by Saul. If there is any irony about the apparent naming of the Shulamite Falls, it is that Abishag brought David warmth when he was old and cold, while the falls at Engedi brought a much younger David cool refreshment in the desert heat. More than irony, it might just explain why we are given that ever so intriguing account of Abishag and David. The story couldn't be briefer nor in some way stranger. When David was old and couldn't keep warm, his servants decided to look for a young virgin to lie beside him. 
Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful girl and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him, but the king had no intimate relations with her. Even given the days of polygamy and concubines, this surely must be a strange story. Were there no primitive bed warmers in that time? Indeed, why didn't Bathsheba sleep beside David to cry the need of war? We may never learn the answer to those questions, but the more I read my Bible, the more convinced I am that there are no throwaway lines in Scripture. Every word there is meant to tell us more about God. Could it be that God wants us to know through every means possible, whether by revelation or by nature itself, that He is our oasis of refuge and comfort in time of need, whatever our need? If it is for warmth when we are cold, He gives us warmth. If it is for cool refreshment when we are hot, He gives us cool refreshments. Perhaps he meets our physical needs just that literally at times. Far more importantly, of course, he meets our spiritual needs, whatever they may be. The safety and tranquility of this placement has been as spiritually refreshing to David as it was physically refreshing. One can imagine that, soothed by the sounds of the waterfall, David might well have become lost in quiet revere, wistfully reflecting back on the days when he used to go to with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the feastive throng, as expressed by the sons of Korah in Psalms 42. But for now he was in exile. For now he was a man on the run, an outlaw in hiding, no admiring multitudes here, no grand possessions, no shouts of joy. As I sat down inside a natural archway formed by the tall grasses at the wadi's edge and felt surprising coolness around me, I wondered whether David might have sat in that very spot and felt that same coolness. If so, what a refreshing refuge it would have been for him, not just from the heat of the desert, but even more so from the heat of his own conflict with someone who had been his mentor and friend. Saul's betrayal must surely have been a bitter pill for David. Have you ever felt betrayed, perhaps by a close friend or a spiritual leader, or maybe even by a spouse or some other family member? I have, more than once, and nothing hurts worse. I dare say that most of us can step into David's sandals and know at least something of the pain he must have felt, something of what it is to be attacked or be estranged by one's least likely enemy. Whatever happened to the hugs, the smiles, the good times together, we ask. One day it's flowers and candy, the next day it's nothing but cold shoulders. For David, it was a high-ranking position in Saul's army on one day, and Saul's spear being hurled at him the next. Who can make any sense of such sudden turnabouts? I think that for me, what hurts most may be the loss of trust. If we can't trust those nearest and dearest to us, then who can we trust? Or is it the rejection that hurts most? What could be more devastating than being rejected by those who claim to love us? To be casually tossed aside as if we were never anything more than a play toy for someone else's joy enjoyment. What else are we to think? As long as we are useful, we are considered a friend, but beyond that point of usefulness, we are expendable, as easily tossed aside as a discarded candy wrapper. In the cool of the shade, I recall the various times when I have felt betrayed and rejected. I couldn't help but appreciate the contrasting picture of God's constancy and faithfulness as to so wonderfully represented by his refreshing oasis in the midst of a desert. This refreshing oasis in the midst of a desert. When we need an oasis, when we need an oasis, God gives us one. When we need refuge and comfort, God gives us refuge and comfort. I like to think that sitting at the foot of the Shulamite Falls, David had been given an oasis of, an oasis of refuge and comfort, and that his soul was refreshed. I knew right then and there that mine was. Suddenly, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed several young ibex working their way slowly towards the stream nearby. 
One by one, they began to lower their heads to take a drink from the cool water. As I watched them for a few minutes, I kept thinking that they were more like young deer than mountain goats. Could this pool and just such a scene as I was watching possibly have inspired the writer of the 42nd Psalm? Hardly any words have become more familiar. As the deer pants for streams of water, oh, my soul pants for you, O God. Rarely have words told of more agony. My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? Seldom has hope been so present in the midst of despair. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I have been in the situation too, betrayed, downcast, fearful, disturbed. Can I not then share in this renewed hope? Am I not able to say, I will yet praise him? Can I not know that same peace when all around me is turmoil? Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. No wonder then that as we love to sing Martin Nystrom's adaption of the 42nd Psalm, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. Does your soul thirst for a living God? I can tell you this, having been to David's Wadi and been spiritually refreshed, I'll never again sing that song in quite the same way. Now there will always be a roaring waterfall in the background and a cool, refreshing stream and the ever-present assurance that God meets my needs, all my needs, every one. You know, I can relate to a lot of this chapter. I can read, I relate to a lot with a, um, four months ago, the death of my husband and the couple weeks before he died when he was so sick. You know, it's just like, um, he knew he was leaving. I know he knew he was leaving. He said, Lisa, he said, I know you're going to get mad, but I just, I've been praying that if God's not going to heal me, that he'll just take me. And of course I'm not mad, but I just devastated. I mean, all my life, I mean, for 38 years, for 38 years, we had our ups and downs. There's been times when I had the cold shoulder and there's times I gave the cold shoulder and there's other times we had the, the, um, the merging of the, of the souls, you know, it's like when we were on the same page, when we were a team working together for a common cause and, um, and just loving God and, and, um, and those, those are the things I miss the most. Those are the times I miss the most. And every day, you know, when I'm talking to this picture or walking through the house and seeing the things that he bought for me and provided for me and spoiling me throughout the years. You know, everywhere I look, I've got something that either he made or bought me or brought me or things that, you know, we may have got together. Um, uh, things that he allowed me to have that he may not have had any particular interest in, you know, um, uh, and vice versa. We both have things that are broken that we hold on to. I have a Kurzweil keyboard that uh, needs to be fixed, but we haven't found anybody to fix it. And he has a stereo, one of those old stereos, um, that he just said, I'm going to find somebody that can fix it someday. We took it several different places. Um, and so we got a couple things that we need to get rid of or find somebody to fix them, you know. Um, but things like that. Just things like that. But yet God is through it all. God is in everything. He is in everything, just like this chapter says. So this chapter is going to really speak to my heart today and give me peace in the midst of my 
heart's turmoil. My heart, my heart has a hole without my husband here, but yet he is here. He's all around me, just like I just said, and Jesus is with me. He's my comfort when I'm weary. He's my shelter from the storm. He's my armor when in battle, and in the cold, he keeps me warm. That song fits perfectly with this too, doesn't it? And it just came to my mind. Well, God bless you. You have a wonderful day. Let's keep pointing others to the cross. Jesus is coming soon. I love you. You have a great day. Bye-bye.